Hello, and welcome to the second episode of Gagi Gadoda. Let's talk. How's it going, Grace? Here we are. It's going good, actually. Um, you know, trying to make the best out of situations I just can't have no control over currently. Technology you know? is a is a beautiful thing, but also <laughs> a challenge. <laughs> yeah, I actually just watched. Well, I fell asleep during it, but. I was just watching the social media like dilemma, social dilemma. Um, you watched it on Netflix. Well, I started and I fell asleep, but Emmanuel watched it, and he he just kind of summed it up for me. But the impact social media has with technology is pretty pretty crazy. I really want to watch it. He should give me a lowdown so I don't have to watch it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. He said I'd watch it once, but like I wouldn't watch it twice, type of thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, I saw. I was like trending on Netflix. Yeah, it's like I think it's one of the top ten. But I've definitely been thinking about it. But now when we have the podcast, I need to start advertising for it. It's like kind of key to have social media for that advertisement. But Yeah. So what have you been up to? Uh, Nothing. I just really had a lazy Sunday. Got up, had breakfast, and going to figure out what homework I have to do. Trapped in my room. <laughs> How about you? Yeah. What have you been up to today? I pretty much do all my homework Saturday and Sundays, mm -hmm. and I really try to prioritize it like all around math. So like I'm taking 16 credits right now, three of them are my math. So like I'd be doing freaking 13 credits worth of homework on all Saturday and Sunday. So I, you uh. know, can pr prioritize that math class. So that's what I'd be doing on Sundays. <laughs> yeah. I feel like if you don't, do something Saturday and Sunday, at least Sunday, your week is mm -hmm. terrible. Like regardless, if you don't do three hours, at least like you're set up for a terrible week with homework. I know. I hate it. I feel like you got, I feel like it's the seniors in us talking. I feel like freshman year, yeah. it was way different. But now I feel like time management is way like, I don't know. It's, it's just like essential. It is key. It's essential. You need you need to know how to manage your time like to not get straight D's in college. And but it's so it frustrating because I go through these moments where I'm so good at it and I like am on top of things and then I have these mm -hmm. moments where I'm just like so bad at it and like doing assignments late, like before they're right, like do I just need to find a better balance, but I have been getting better at it. I feel yeah. like this is probably your best year of time management so far. Yeah. Last spring wasn't too bad either, though. I feel like now it's just we have nothing to do. But I feel like my days I'm doing stuff constantly every single day. Like, I don't really get a break till like, 7. That's how I feel. Like, yeah. I'm on go until, like, 6 p.m. Then I have to eat something, and I don't want to do homework after that because I've had a long day. But – I don't know, making time with if you have an hour of just blocking out for homework, like that's key. I know. It just I, builds up. That's another thing I've been up to. I've been like trying to manage working full time right. and then like 16 credits. Like you would think like, oh, people do it all the time. Man, that's hard. Like it's straight up like difficult because I feel like, um, you know, I, I get up around 6, 630 every Monday through Friday and then get to work by eight and I mean like I don't have a long commute it's like five minutes but like you're there from eight to four and then you know some days I have class so I have to like go get home get my laptop situated get in class then from class I'm like all right I got this homework I have to do and then I do homework from like five to 
at least 8 45 9 o'clock every night um and then depending like if I really got to get an assignment done I'll stay up late and then I still have to get up at 6 30 so there's no like I think working a job is like really I mean it's like really really great experience I'm so like thankful for my job but like comparing it to sophomore and junior year when I wasn't working full-time I had days where I could sleep in a little later you know so I could do my homework till you know 10 11 and I'd be good if I could sleep until eight you know but now it's it's a different game so it's like I wouldn't be surviving if I didn't have that time management and so yeah I just my I try to like at least give myself one half day where I'm just not doing anything just for my uh sanity yeah but See, kind of- I've been going through that phase or like that moment where I'm like do I stress myself out and grind all this homework or do I take a mental break and then I'm like well I just took five <laughs> mental breaks <laughs> like maybe I should work on my homework but I, I just really can't it's just mental health over everything like I told my um trainer about that and I'm like yeah I just I had these moments where I can't focus. You know, I'm a little ADHD. I'm prescribed mm-hmm. on, I'm whatever, prescribed Adderall. I take every once in a while. But I'm like, even when I sit down and try to focus, I don't do it. And he's like, it sounds like you're lazy. I'm like, hey, <laughs> okay, relax. Get Same. Off me. But Big actually, facts. Though, Big facts. But like, I actually sit there and I'm like, okay, I have this and this this to do. But when I actually sit and start an assignment, I just grind to get it done. And I always surprise myself. I'm like, wow, that, you know, that wasn't hard. It just... I always surprise myself. Every time I'm like, oh, and professors be like, oh, that's such a whatever, great assignment, great paper, blah, blah, blah. I've cranked it out in like 30 actual minutes, you know? It's just your time leading up to that. Yeah, I don't know. I I try really hard to just get the, when I get the assignment, I try to like make sure I know what it is, what the expectation is, what the due date is like touch it maybe, you know, like I'm going to like at least open up a Word document. I'm going to at least get it going where it says like the date, my name. So at least like when I do get to it again, yeah, I can, um, you know, I, I can uh, get on that path of just like going right into it. So I feel like that's uh, <clears throat> a really easy Yeah. I mean, like if I do. at least draw out like the plan of a paper, like outline it or write in the intro and put in my sources. I just, I get so annoyed with sources. I don't know what it is, but I just do not like writing them in at the end, like the reference pages, title page. That is so annoying to me. I'll write the whole paper, reread it, finish the final draft, and then have to go add the sources and the title page. And yeah, that's, that's what's annoying to me. Even it's like the little things that take the fastest. I'm like, I don't want to go do this. Yeah. I like, when I first started dating Mikey, one of the things that he was like, he I don't know. He really changed the game for me. Like he really changed. I mean, cause obviously like by the time him and I started dating, I was a sophomore in undergrad. And then he was, um, and he was done with his coursework and his PhD program. So for those of you that don't know, that's my fiance, but, um, he really like helped me integrate better study tactics and mm-hmm. better, um, time management skills because he was like, man, when I was in my master's, I would like pull an all nighter and like those, that's just like not healthy to be doing. And so he yeah. would like show me ways that I could like ease into, um, my, my work better. And so that's one of the things that he started helping me do was like, at least look at it, at least start a document for it, know what's going on and when the due date is, and then kind of structure it around. Right. Him. And planners are so important too. Like if you actually write in depth like what you need to do on the planner, you can get so much done and make like little lists just to finish 
what you have to do. Like it's really about being disciplined. And some days I do slack. It's like, okay, but I was up at 5 a.m. I'm disciplined enough to do this, eat right. I had a salad. Like I did all I this. Salad. <laughs> like, yeah, some greens yeah. today. Ate some veggies some and some greens. squats. Like, but then I'm like, always do your squats. Oh, always. And don't let boys be mean to you. And don't <laughs> let your boys veggies. be mean to you. Eat your veggies, do your squats, and just don't let boys be mean to you, period. Oh, that's, like, the three key principles of, like, <laughs> life. No, Basically. but I, um, I, uh, yeah, so I've been, I've been doing pretty good this semester so far. It's been a lot for, I'm, I'm just trying to graduate. And so one of the things, I had, like, a mental breakdown, like, two weeks ago. I was just, like, I was just sitting there crying, and I, like, wasn't crying, like, cr- like, sad tears, and I wasn't happy, you know, I wasn't, like, Oh, these are just tear, you know, joy tears or whatever they call or whatever they are, this happy tears. And um, I was just like sitting there, like looking at what I had to do. I was like, how am I going to like do this? But now I feel like I'm like at least understanding my life now, understanding that this is just a grind until the end of the year. You'll never again have to take a freaking math class in your life. Yeah. That's what I keep telling yeah. myself every day, you know? Yeah, I was just in a math class and that was terrible. But I know for me, my worst was when I was at the University of Denver and I had to take Spanish for the whole year. And when I got to the last trimester, I had to write a paper, do a presentation and create this like video in Spanish. I Oh, and take a final exam. And they were all due in one week. And I was about to drive back to Minnesota, pack up my apartment. And I was just like, this is not it. I could just quit right here. I can't do it. And getting through Spanish was so hard. Like my professor Mm -hmm. worked with me, but just advancing in Spanish, especially when I could have took it more serious and actually learned more Spanish. But I was just kind of like in my other work, you know, dealing with other things. I wasn't really focused on learning a language, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Didn't study for it. Yeah. And that was like the worst time of my life was that Spanish. Like I, oh, I don't even know. I just hated it so much and it yeah. wore and tore me down. Like I yeah, dreaded it, it. Yeah. I feel like when you have like a really awful class that like, it's not just that like you're not into it. Like I can, I can get down with classes that I'm not into. I have like several times, you know, like through undergrad, mm-hmm. but when it's something you're straight up not good at and your brain isn't like wired to do that subject, like it's picking like really it hard. Up. picking it up. Yeah. It's like having to understand that concept. So like with math, I'm just like not good at math. Like I'm just like in, I think that when people say that, you know, you're not good at math, well then put in the work to do that. But it's like, to be honest with you, I'd rather be spending an extra hour out of my day not prepping for math and I'd rather be working on language, like listening to, mm-hmm. you know, the Oshka Bayless Native Journal and just sitting there and doing something but listening to that. I'd rather put my time into, like, language work than I would for math work. And, like, yeah. that's one of my flaws is, like, I'm like, I'd rather be doing something else, like, putting in work for something else. But what I did do, I have a really good tutor for my math class and he assigned me some, like, really good um, what do you call them? They're like, it's kind of like a crash course in math 800. And that really helped me. I put in the work. Yeah. Um, it's I've all been spending, extra time. I know. I'm just like, man, I can't wait till this class is over with because I want to do more, um, language work. Like I really want to like be 
integrating it into my everyday life somehow and looking at like I've been doing that now like with with uh I have a couple of language buddies that uh, like work at a couple different immersion schools up here in um northern Minnesota and you know they're like well how are you gonna you know I'm like here's my language goals here's what I want to be in like a year and they're like all right well here's what you gotta do you gotta you gotta find a reason to speak it to yourself every day and so like it's been really hard to like structure my life around trying to learn Ojibwe while taking 16 credits, but yeah, not learn Ojibwe, but work on, especially when you're not immersed in it. That's what the hardest thing is. It's all on your own time. You're not really around it. Like yeah, having conversations. And that's the biggest thing. Like I can imagine trying to learn it here when, when I'm at school, like I cannot, it would be so hard for me to learn. It's like, I can label things around here and do that extra stuff, but actually being able to understand and speak in conversation is totally different when I can't have yeah. those conversations. I like was, I um, say, say things in Ojibwe, like, I don't know, got ween and like little stuff like that, just to people around me. And they're like, what does that mean? I'm like, Oh, it's, see, it's I love it. I, let's deconstruct the colonized English language. I can't handle hearing it all the time, but I have, um, a lot of like really cool mentors in the language community and um, they're always so willing to like help me when I'm like, how do I like integrate it in my life? And like, how do I become more proficient, whatever. And uh, cause I took three years, I took elementary Ojibwe, intermediate Ojibwe and advanced sequence one and two. So two semesters straight. So I took freshman to junior year. I, I that's all I took was like language courses along yeah. with other core work. But so like, I know the basics. It's just like, I feel like college Ojibwe um, what it really focuses on, at least up here in this region, the where I took it at, is it's a lot more reading and writing fundamentals. And that's like really, really good. But now I'm struggling with my hearing and my speaking. Comprehension, so, kind of comprehension, being able to like fluidly speak. And- where I don't have to sit and think about like how to conjunct something in real time. And it just comes it, where it comes naturally. And so that's like my biggest next goal. That's like my biggest goal where I'm like, I have this exercise right now in my notes on my phone where I'm like, um, I'm, I, I like write down what I did, what activity I did. I say it out loud. And like, if I can't figure it out, I ask somebody and, um, I try to like put on recordings of speakers. I'm just in the background and, uh, read. I've been really, but anyway, that's what I've been up to. Uh, and so even though math like sucks right now, I'm like, if I'm putting in this type of work for like, just trying to become a proficient speaker. Like yeah. I can I can do it for math. So for sure. I just wrote a paper actually about like the purposes and like the philosophies of public education and school in general. And one of the big parts I talked about was being able to put yourself or get the mentality of learning something when you know it won't really have a purpose for you. Like, like, especially with example A is math. I feel like Mm -hmm. I'm not going to need, you know, to know the Pythagorean theorem. What do I need to know this stuff for? I'm not going to be in construction or design, whatever. Like, I don't want to learn about these topics that I'm not going to really, I don't feel like have a purpose for me. Like, I'm not going to ever use this. Like, even in biology, that was a tough, like, course for me last year. And I'm like, I'm not going to be a nurse. I know, like, that my generals, and why isn't this more general? Like, I'm learning about all this extra stuff that I'm, I don't remember now because, one, it never is going to apply to me. I'm not going to be using it in the hospital. Like you know why that's where I have a problem with is just trying to find like a passion or indulge myself in this material that I really don't think I'll need. You know, it's not like I just kind of like blow through it because I feel like I don't need it. 
What um what math class did you take for undergrad for your liberal credit? Um, I took finite math. Finite math. What did you do in that class? Uh, it was a lot of like practical application. I basically blacked <laughs> out that math class. Uh, let me think. It was a lot of what, a lot was of it like real solving. world critical. Yeah, yeah like real of, world yeah. application, kind of. Yeah, kind of. That's a that's what mine is right now. We're right now we're going over graph theory, and I'm like, oh one of, yeah, okay, we did a lot of that stuff too. I actually am really proud <laughs> to say this week on the podcast. I like did most of my homework on my own. I got my highest score on my math or on my on my homework, yeah. my individual homework, because I. I just spent the time on it. Like I was putting in like two hours a day, just like I can figure this out. And then my tutor is helping me. He's like super dope. But like, um, I was like easy for me to understand when you gave me practical use. So at the beginning of the lesson, we did like, um, kind of like a Facebook, you know, the people you may know, and they put that on a graph and I'm like, oh yeah. So if I put me, Grace, you know, Ashley, Tammy, Joe, you know, those type, if you put those in like, we're all friends with this person that's an extension of the graph, right? Like, so it's just, it all had applying really practical it to use. your life. Yeah. Right. Applying it. And I was like, oh, I can get down with this. So yeah. I don't know. Anyway, what have you, uh, I mean, with like everything going on, what have you been doing to like cope with stress? Like, do you have like a routine that you do when you're really stressed out or? Well, lately I've been trying to go for two walks a day. So like, if I'm ever feeling like overwhelmed, cause usually when I get back to my apartment, I'm either here for just like an hour a day and then, you know, eventually come back and try to figure out a a dinner or whatever. But I've been going for like two walks a day, trying to catch up and call people and um, just kind of vent and cuddle. I'm a cuddler. It definitely helps with the. I am actually very affectionate and needy when it comes to like de-stressing. Like, you know, I really do like to just curl up in a ball and just relax, but yeah, I've been going for a lot of walks. Um, you know, I have been using my pipe a lot lately and actually putting out tobacco. I think that's really changed for me within the last like month or so. Mm-hmm. I've been having a lot of dreams about my brother and um, my best friend, Christy. And just so for the viewers know, they both passed away in 2015, about a week apart. And this is around the time when my brother was got very sick. So, so I'm about to be 22. So it was around my birthday. And I think me dealing with that, with the change in the season and stuff, I've just been trying to stay focused and be able to take a breather with things that just feel overwhelming sometimes. Yeah. I, I can, I, it's crazy. Like I didn't live here when all that happened. I lived in Minneapolis and like being here and just feeling that, that, those memories pop back up about where we were at five years ago at this time. It's just like, it's like crazy, but it, I think, yeah, use of tobacco is really important. And, um, yeah. And I think talking to my dad and like, you know, it's hard to, not hard to remember who you are out here, but it's so different being a native and not being from home. Cause it's easy when you're at home, to just have tobacco right in front of you and like get up and take it out to a tree you know you have all these different trees and like even a spirit dish like my dad keeps telling me okay like I've had all these dreams about my best you know Christy who passed away and she's one of my best friends I keep she just kept coming to me and coming to me 
you know, I tell my dad, like, I keep dreaming about her. Like, you know, I need to put out a plate and like my day goes by and I'm not putting out a plate. And it's like, where am I going to go burn this at? Like I'm in a downtown city. It's not very big, but there's not that many trees or like areas. Like it's a lot of going out the way to do things when I really just need to do it. Like even with my brother, like I've been having dreams about him and he's like, you need to put out your plate for them. Like, you know, you need to go do this, take the time to do it. And it's like, I don't know, definitely something that I need to keep doing. But yeah, I've been using my pipe a lot more and praying, really trying to get into prayer. That's so good. that has helped. Definitely. Yeah. I was reading, uh, there's this, uh, one of my required texts for my indigenous education class is uh, American Indian Educator, or yeah, American Indian Educators on in reservation schools. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that the research participants were explaining was that, you know, these students need to have an identity and the identity needs to come from like the curriculum. And so it's just, it's really fascinating to see when like you actually got people in academics with an identity, whatever that identity means to them in whatever way that they found that, or they feel like that's their identity. It's like, that's so important to have when you're going through really stressful situations with like mental health stuff. And like, I don't know, I just feel like having that structure of who you are, even though you're out in Valparaiso, even though you're out there, you know, away from the woodland like territory, you're, you're still, you still have that connection to this place and you still have that connection to your spirituality and, you know, what, what you got to do to, you know, when you're having um, those moments where you have to do stuff that's like customarily like what you do in your spirituality. So, yeah. Um, that's, um, that was one thing I was talking about. Like, I also get so annoyed. It just grinds my gears when people think that I'm white. It's like the worst thing that you can say to me is call me, you know what I mean? Like, assume that I'm white, oh which I totally get. I'm fair skinned, but I just, when someone calls me, like, I don't know, it's in my blood, my DNA to, you know, feel some type of way, I guess you can say, you know, it's not, it's case by case. It's, I'm not prejudiced towards whatever, but when someone calls me white, I'm like, yo, like I just big check them every time. And I need to like kind of work on maybe my anger when somebody calls me delivery. (laughs) Yeah, definitely how I deliver it because, you know, I'm like, oh, you know, this, that, the white man, whatever, et cetera. It's kind of a joke now, but it really is like, is the facts. Like when I'm talking in class too, I'm like the oppression, the oppression. What is the common theme that we see in the problems that we're dealing with in education? Like we, I'm in a really good education and school and society uh, education class. And the common theme here is oppression, the system, like look around at the, everything that's been happening currently in the United States. This is not these are not events that are new and that we have not seen before. We're not getting justice. What was the justice system, you know, made to who are they made to help? Like it was, it's literally meant to mm-hmm. oppress us. And these are the yeah. common problems that we're seeing with just race and identity and, you know, equality. Yeah. That's it. It It's crazy. Cause you know, what I do for a living is, you know, I study history basically and, yeah. and indigenous history. And so like, I was just talking to my coworker about this the other day. We were like, why do we got an Indian education program in 2020? Like, why do you guys know why we have 
an Indian education budget in 2020. And I was thinking about it in, in my coursework, aside from work, this is a completely separate like part of my life. I am working on Indian policy in 1860. So now we're what over a hundred years later of the birth of American Indian education, where we were forced to assimilate through education and American education was weaponized in order to assimilate us. Yeah. And, and literally genocide, systematic genocide. And so what has changed since then? Well, there's a few things that have definitely changed, but the fact that like we got an ed- Indian education budget and we got all of these different um, core curriculums that are, you know, th- standardized for the states, um, it's really a unique issue that is layers upon layers upon layers of discussion and education and listening and like not talking and listening to indigenous people explaining histories or even non-natives that are educated in the um, assimilation that took place in American education. And it's not exclusive to just American Indians here in the United States. This is, you know, worldwide where um, um, education was weaponized. It just so happens that like in 2020, we're seeing these type of injustices that have a direct impact on people of color. And we're seeing it firsthand in our hands because we have social media, like in, a way that we've never had before. So right. all, all of these issues are compounding and just we're being able to see them in real time, like never before. And it's just, it's a it's lot, disgusting. especially, it's just a lot. It's like being a student at this time in 2020, us being undergrads at this time, especially seniors, you know, about to like endeavor on grad school or whatever we're going to endeavor on. It's like, wow, I'm like soaking all of it in. I can't wait to like tell my kids about like, you know, like what 2020 was like. Knowledge is power. I mean, education, like we discussed in like the first episode, I think was, you know, education is something that someone cannot take from you. Once you learn your rights and what has happened, you are able to check anybody. You are able to, you have that credibility. You have learned what the system really is. And that's why oppression is such a huge uh, plays such a huge key role in just the poverty levels today is not many are educated on what have happened. You know, they get kind of stuck in, well, this is it. I'm oppressed. Uh, the system wasn't built for me. I'm not going to go through the system, but we don't have a choice anymore. You know, that as much as we can, we can get educated on our people and our history and make advances in life still, which is hard to do, yeah. which is going to be, you know, a lot harder, but it's very possible and getting educated is just something that's essential in today's society. Like, yeah, I think it, I think one thing that we got to hold accountable is the educators to become educated in African-American history, indigenous history, you know, um, Mexican American history and all of these different components of the, you know, and even Muslim American um, history, all of these different histories that we have to become accustomed to because yeah, it's so important to understand as educators how we can properly decolonize ourselves. And even for me, I study indigenous history and there's a lot of um, colonization in my education, even though I study indigenous education. And that's a lot to say when you um, like understand the structures of which I learn. like I, there are still people with very colonized minds that come in and like effortlessly 
perpetuate colonization by just like, I don't know, there's a lot of different stories that could get into, but mm-hmm. I just feel like we as educators, we as citizens can't always hold people in power uh, accountable. We have to hold ourselves accountable. And what direct impact exactly. can I make on the education system? What direct impact can I make in a community or on a, on a basketball team or all of these different things? We all play such a huge role. And that's why we got to vote on November 9th and really like vote like we've never voted before in history. Cause I think um, our democracy finding, is on the line. Yeah. Finding and, your voice through it all is what's important. What, like, like you said, what can you do what what can you do for your people? And like one thing that you can do is start your own generational wealth. You know, like with natives, we don't have anything. Like, oh, they'll say well, you get this free education now, you get whatever, etc. Oh, natives get their school paid for. We had everything stripped from us, and this is the least that we can even get is go try and be in the system. You know. Ugh. Well, one thing that is incredibly difficult as somebody who attends Bemidji State University, for instance, I think is that like, there are straight up people who legitimately think that I get free dental care, health care, yeah. free college and all of these different concepts. And I actually have a friend named Rebecca, who is like, we call her the woke chamoke. And she is <laughs> the woke chamoke. And I love her to death because you know what, she has been in these um, atmospheres of indigenous studies where she's coming from a completely non-native background and non-ethnic um, background or anything whatsoever. And so when people are like being racist towards the natives around her, she's like, no, they actually don't get free healthcare. This is actually a treaty obligation that the United States government actually has in writing with this tribe. So no, it's not that they're getting free college or free dental care or whatever the case may be. She's like, it's way more complex than just like that racist terminology that you're using, like in quote, like free college. And it's so incredible just using her as an example of like what we can do in our society, a mere little uh, crash course in indigenous studies, a mere crash course in like, Mm -hmm. um, you know, Latino uh, culture or, you know, Muslim American or African American. It's even us. I feel like you and I, I feel like, need to like get on our game with that and like you know practice what we preach but sure it's just the little things I feel like that can add up and that can really contribute largely to society if we all pick up the torch somewhere and like vote exercise our voting rights Mm -hmm. that like native people really didn't have until even after world war ii was when we actually finally were all like across the united states able to vote like a lot of people say the 1924 was when we finally had we had like we got uh what do you call it voting rights, but mm-hmm. we actually really passed because of World War One. We need we had to have American citizens come in, or excuse me, Native Americans come into the war, and so they granted us citizenship. But that did not mean we had equal voting rights. So we think about 1945, like natives couldn't even vote then, or like finally could vote then. Excuse me. Yeah. So it's something that. <sighs> We got to just exercise and we got to just we all even, yeah, we, were, we were literally banned to practice any of our beliefs like until, until what, 19, what was that, 78 with the Indian Religious yeah. Freedom Act? Like we weren't even able to be ourselves or practice any cultural, hold any cultural value in ourselves, yet alone were we going to try to, you know, 
fight for our rights if we're not even able, we don't have rights as people. We didn't even have right to be who we were. Mm -hmm. So Yeah. And it's, it's crazy, but I think, yeah, like just everything we like, you know, talked about just with learning, picking up the torch, doing what we can in our community and our school settings. It's really not that hard and it's not that hard to become a good ally. And it's Mm -hmm. okay to say, Hey, I don't know anything and I want to learn. It's like, okay, I do it all the time. And like that light skin, uh, when people are calling you, you know, like a white girl, like me and you are really light skin, but that doesn't mean that like that threatens our identity. Yeah, and, and that it's like I'm one thing. of the most traditional people of my age group. So, mm-hmm. and I also knew who I am, so it doesn't bother me. But it's like, wow, that is actually a a rude comment to make to me. I'm like, wow, I'm I'm offended. I'm offended. Yeah. And if you don't, if you're not, that just kind of shows, like, as you know, white people being accountable for themselves as well for their yeah, your your you didn't do it, but your great uncle Tom did. You know, well, like, I think <laughs> being, being accountable to learn the history and just not be oblivious or ignorant, you could well, say. In a also, way. this actually, go, this issue of calling some, a native a white girl or a white boy or whatever that case is, man, pff, we went to Red Lake School. We, we already know the, the, the deal. Oh. But <laughs> the reason why, this even goes back to our point about education. We... As native people, as indigenous people, as Ojibwe people, whatever terminology you're comfortable with, we actually aren't written in modern history books in U.S. public education systems enough for somebody who has never spent any time around Indians to be able to successfully identify what right. we look like because all they know is what the 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 Trail of Tears, uh, Pocahontas. Uh, P- Pocahontas, those type of things that are in the Trail of Tears and all of these like incredibly depressing points in history that American educators pinpoint in curriculum so therefore mm-hmm. if you're in a place like Valparaiso, a place like i don't know some des moines iowa maybe i don't yeah. know some place where there's not a huge population like bemidji you aren't able you're not going to be able to identify and that's actually not the people that are calling you white's fault it's actually the american education system that abides to white supremacy where you're not giving us a narrative past and so stereotypical this time yeah Right. Stereotypical. And and it's literally not the people's fault now, the generations that are getting lighter and lighter, you know. We have full-blood babies that are light-skinned, very fair-skinned. And that just just shows the systematic genocide. I mean, like, look look at the generations going farther and farther down the line, getting lighter and lighter. It's the system. It's like, well, it's like, in Ojibwe history, there was a large... There's a large plethora of history for Ojibwe people that actually goes back to um, the French fur trade where there were actual marriages taking place because of our our relationship with the French and our, our trade goods with the French. So we were actually marrying in men and um, into our you know, lots like women's of lives. Indigenous so, women. And so lots of indigenous um, women. So specifically for Ojibwe people we were intermarrying, interracial marrying during the French fur trade and then go a couple more down. Like, for instance, my uh, my great-great-great-grandpa is a full-on white dude. Full-on white dude. Not, uh, not He's a Scottish dude that mm-hmm. was, like, from Canada or something. He married – or, no, he had, he had my grandpa Peter with my, gran- my, gran- my great-great-great-grandma Elizabeth Graves. She mm-hmm. was the first person in my family to ha- – or to our family to have the last name Graves. 
And he was like a light skinned dude. And there's like pictures of him from like 1920 with like the US um, are going to like DC with like the Red Lake hereditary chiefs and stuff. And so mm-hmm. I'm like, dang, he's light skinned. But like, why was he light skinned? Because like, there was a Scottish dude that would come to Red Lake. It wasn't even a reservation at that time in the 1850s and like had my grandpa. And then like, here I am. So I am mixed blood and I, and I'm not, it doesn't offend me, but I think it like, you, you got to know the history, man. And like, exactly. it, American, you got to know the American, the right. And the American education system just does not favor indigenous history. And so of course you're going to have some racist dude saying, Y'all live off the government and y'all live off your, you know, you're a y'all get white all girl. This free education. I can't even hunt at night. <laughs> I can't even hunt on the reservation. Yeah, they get so pissed about it. I mean, and they're mean. They're stuff. straight up bullies, you know? Yeah. And you see some of the stuff happening in Canada. You know, natives are getting threatened and such a, a target for people to be able to fish on with their own resources. Like, yeah, oh, we, I, we can't do this. You can't do this, etc. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but no, I think we like touched on some pretty important topics. I think that um, a- along with coping, as, as difficult as it is to cope with stress during this time, it's equally important to be able to understand our societal difficulties right now and mm-hmm. the, the race relations that are going on right now that are clearly visible that we cannot hide from. And it's really important for us to educate ourselves, um, understand what Black Lives Matter means, understand what, um, you know, indigenous sovereignty means and, uh, you know, the history of Muslim Americans and Mexican Americans and all these different ethnicities. We really got to stand behind and be really incredible allies. And it all comes down to education. It comes down to making that time to be you know, uh, in, informed so we can therefore help our society move in yeah. the democracy it needs to. So vote November 3rd, everybody. Make sure you're registered to vote. You have a plan. You talk to some people to vote. Um, yeah. Look Gotta do politics. diligence. Gotta read. Look it up. Vote for who you want to vote for, but just vote. <laughs> at, least, at least, yeah, educate yourself as much as you can. For sure. Well, the next episode for episode two. There was. There was. Next episode will... Yeah, next episode will be announcing our uh, giveaway for our followers, and we'll talk about the rules and everything that goes on with that. Stay tuned, guys. (laughs) See ya. (laughs)